0: Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals, one of the most watched and listened to podcasts dealing with addiction and recovery. I'm Randall Carlisle, my co-host is Rachel Santizo. Good morning. Rachel will introduce our guest in a second. We try to do either some news or analytics at the beginning of each podcast, and this came out from CNN, and I thought it was pretty indicative of the, uh, some of the problems people have gone through during the pandemic. It said U.S. deaths involving alcohol rose 25% during the first year of the pandemic. Mm. And, and and most of that was traffic accidents uh, that were alcohol-related. And the explanation is people were drinking more <laughs> and, and, and right. driving more, you know, because of the Metal challenges that go on with, uh, with the, uh, with, with the pandemic.
1: Right, and I think it was easier accessible, the alcohol, when the pandemic hit, because you could, you could get the alcohol versus everybody being isolated and being able to reach out to get the illegal substances. So I think that makes sense. Right. I'm not it's surprised by it at all. Easier
0: to go to the store and buy mm-hmm. a bottle of booze than to find right. your neighborhood drug dealer who maybe is quarantined somewhere.
1: Right, and the isolation. You can drink at home and be isolated and then get in the car. So right. Yeah.
0: So hopefully that'll go down as the pandemic begins to ease.
1: Yes, let's hope.
0: You invited our guest here today, so would you like
1: to introduce him? I would love to introduce him. So today we have Ed Broyles. So Ed, I've been able to watch him on his journey, and he's a fantastic man. Um, I watched him in treatment, and now he works in treatment, and so I'm really excited for him to share his story and, and show us how he did it and what he does, and so he can share that to the world and sprinkle some hope to those that need it the most. So without further ado... Ed Brails. So, so tell Thank us you. your story.
0: How it how it all began and what, what you've gone through.
2: Um, well, I started using when I was 13 years old, drinking, mm-hmm. um, smoking weed, and then it turned to cocaine. And at
0: what age did you turn? To, did you make the transition from weed and booze to cocaine?
2: Um, I think it just came with the people I was hanging out with. To be honest, it just kind of was the next step up.
0: So your um, early teens,
2: yeah, I was thirteen. Yeah, you, I dabbled with the
1: ages are just younger and younger. The oh, more podcasts we do, it just seems like it's common.
0: We had somebody a couple of weeks ago who mm-hmm. started drinking at five. Yeah, and it's yeah. like uh, you know, I I I handle a a family support group, mm-hmm. and and they want to know why you would start doing this at such an early age. You were. Do you remember what was going through your head? Like, oh, I'll smoke pot, or I'll drink, or I'll do cocaine.
2: Well, well, through some work that I've uh, done on myself, I, I came to find out uh, when I was seven years old, I was uh, I had a pa- not I had a appendicitis. My appendix burst, and my through my father just not being emotionally available, I I thought I could handle it on my own. So I never let anybody know my feelings or let anybody know I was ever in pain. And I felt all alone in a room full of mm-hmm. doctors and people, right? And um, through that, I, I realized I never wanted to be alone again. So I just surrounded myself with whoever I fit in with at the time. At that time, it was I was doing baseball and stuff like that. And then through that world, you start partying. So
0: and mm-hmm. okay, well, I didn't mean to stop you on your journey. So <laughs> You're good. You, so you started thirteen. Then what happened?
2: Um, I was I did really well in school. Um, I stopped doing sports because I was too busy drinking or or smoking weed. And then um, I almost I almost failed high school because I stopped going. And then I, I got back on it's track. It's Trying to
0: succeed in school when you're yeah. not there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. And
2: um, I got back on track after I got caught. Um, I snuck out of my house one night and got busted with some weed. And I got put on juvenile drug court, so that got me back on track.
1: Mm. Huh. I didn't realize they had drug court. Was that here in Salt Lake?
2: Yeah, it was in Sandy, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, and they have juvenile drug court.
2: Yes, they do. Oh, that's I didn't fantastic. even know that. We're going to have to get
0: somebody from juvenile drug. Does it, does it still exist? I
2: am, I'm not sure. I know um, the judge. I remember the judge's name, Judge Hornack, was the one that ran Kimberly it Kimberly Hornack. I knew yes. About, yeah. All mm-hmm.
1: right. Huh. What did that do for you?
2: Um, well, it taught me oh, taught me a lot. We heard some stories about meth labs blowing up, and I was like, I'd never be that like that, you know. I'm like, I'm not going to yeah. go that route. So, I had a few stays in detention because I was failing drug tests and and all that. I did it on the weekends because I was actually going back to school at this point. So, yeah. Um,
0: so obviously, that didn't click with you. Not all the way. Okay.
2: Um, I was just doing it to get off, and then to get through the charges and then I started back up again Mm. and then uh, I graduated high school walked with my class uh Mm. went to Salt Lake Community College for about a month but they told me they didn't say there was an attendance policy and so I was like I don't even have to show up (laughs) that doesn't work with school at all so um and then I had my daughter I was at the age 18 19 and uh that kind of changed things for me. Like I didn't stop using, but, um, I just had this unconditional love for another being that it it just changed my life. Um,
0: what were you using at the time?
2: Um, drinking and cocaine and marijuana. Okay. We actually had social services talk to us because the room smelt like marijuana because me and my friends went out to the parking lot, smoked and came back in and. Uh, you uh, can't, get, you can't get that off, can no. you? Know? <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I live in a high-rise, and when I get in an elevator, it's like, hmm, you know. Yep. You know.
1: It, it definitely has a distinct smell.
2: Yeah, and then um, I was going to join the military, but I had some legal things I was taking care of, like uh, an open container or something, and then that didn't go through. And then um, I, was still, I, was, I, I ran a training table restaurant when I was really young. I worked my way up to store manager, but complications with addiction, right? I was late all the time, I got fired from that, and then um, I had my son, he's two years younger than my daughter, I was 20 I think at the time, and then I got my first DUI right after that. Um, It was my daughter's second birthday, and I go to jail for DUI and cocaine possession, and Um, it's my first charges as an adult and they gave me 60 days in jail and probation and I kind of cleaned up after that for about a year Um, I was working at Apollo Burger at the time and then after that I uh, got a job doing foundations with one of my buddies companies and I was doing well with that Um, and then I got my, my neighbor offered me a job at Intel Micron in Lehigh. Wow. And,
0: uh, which
2: is a beautiful
0: campus down there. Oh yeah. It's huge.
2: And it's, uh, we did the base, like it started out in 95, but we didn't, I don't think we did, uh, the first chip they put out was in early 2000s or something like that. Um, the problem with that is that I'm, I'm a really social guy. I didn't like to be alone, until so the people that came in were from, like, England, and, and I don't want to put the blame on them because it was my choice, but they asked me to show them around, right? And and so I did, and I started drinking again, and then with the drinking came cocaine again. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I was there for, like, five years, Um and I we got laid off cuz it slowed down and which was it kind of worked out but my daughter was graduating kindergarten so I was able to make hats for all her class while I was at home but I was drinking every day so I'd wake up go get a bottle of alcohol come and I it, it was horrible like cuz now looking back on it I was drinking and driving with my kids in the car all the time Boy. it was it was
0: what 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 was the motivation for you Constantly wanting to be high.
2: I, I just like I, like, I think I lo- fell in love with the feeling of it. And then at a certain point, it just becomes a necessity. Like I had to do, I had to, you didn't want me driving without me drinking because I'd be shaky. Right. And it was just horrible.
0: I think a lot of people who have not had experience with this don't understand that because I can relate because I'm a recovering alcoholic and you're a recovering drug addict. Mm-hmm. And, and at first, you, you really enjoy the feeling, yeah. and then it becomes something that you have to do. And, and it's classified, you know, and whatever you want to say out there, if you're watching, you can say it's a moral failing, and, and it is a bad decision in the beginning. But after that, it becomes a disease, and doctors recognize it mm. as a disease.
1: Absolutely. Right? You end up using just so you're not sick as a, a means of survival to feel okay to take the next step in your day. And and, like and, and with a
0: disease, any other disease, mm-hmm. you seek treatment, and you sought treatment, right?
2: Uh, not yet. Uh, oh,
0: okay. Well, we're not, <laughs> Yeah, we're We're, sure not, going. we're <laughs> not there yet. No.
2: So it took me, um, well, since juvenile drug court. I hadn't done any treatment. Well, I did, I guess I did at AP and P. They had me take classes that, that first, after that first DY and cocaine possession, I did do some classes. I don't remember much from them, but, um, after this, like, as I'm working at Intel Micron, I, I get married and divorced within two years. um, and I get separated from my wife, and I'm not with my kids on a daily basis. So that sent me down the rabbit hole. It got bad. I was drinking about a half gallon of vodka a day. Um, that's, yeah, every, that's and not, that's not at work. That's like just within the five hours off of work until I go pass out at night, right? And then I get two DUIs in two months. Um, I tried to plead to the third one as fast as possible so it didn't get flagged, but it got flagged for a felony. Um, this is when I do ad- addiction and psychological services. Um, I stopped drinking because that's what they're testing me for. And I started using methamphetamine mm. instead. Okay. Um, so I'm doing well according to them cause I'm passing my tests. I'm going to groups. I don't have a license, so I'm getting a ride everywhere. My parents are kind of helping me out, making me go. And, uh, then I get involved in a relationship from like me and this girl know each other for a long time and uh, we were kind of, we kind of enabled each other she had a habit I had a habit and it just kind of took off from there we started selling drugs while I'm doing addiction and psychological services mm-hmm. um, and then i I drive my car one night and to go get drugs and we just moved into this apartment and um, I get busted with methamphetamine, and along with all the no interlock device charges, no driving on suspended, all all those, and uh, that's when I did my first year in jail, because I was awaiting sentencing on my felony DUI, and I caught a new felony case of possession, and um, the judge laid me down, I did a got six, I got cats, um, mm. and a year in jail. And then I had to do 10 days in Utah County for my second DUI. So I had to do all this. I did like almost 11 months in jail, my first real long stay. I got out and then um, did, got back into school through the help of cats. Um, This is when Valley Behavioral had was cats in 2010, Um, or 2012, and then i did well for a little bit.
0: Um, we should, I should yeah, interrupt you and, t- and tell people that CATS is a program in the Salt Lake County Jail. And it's, uh, it's, it's run by Odyssey now. It was run by Valley when you were mm-hmm. there. Uh, and it's basically a three-month program. And you stay in a separate pod when you're in the CATS program. And you basically go through the treatment program that you'd go through if you were in Odyssey Residential. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Except you're really residential there because in, in our <laughs> regular programs you can walk out, but you can't in, in no. jail. No, you can't when you're so, in jail. So you went through CATS and you got out.
2: And I did, uh, and then I got into school. I um, was doing school part time and I was uh, working night shift at DHL. And I think that just kind of it triggered me. I was doing school in the morning. And then I start, so I relapsed on meth. Meth's my drug of choice now.
1: Um, it's so interesting. The the it, very thing you said you would never do uh-huh. that was the same thing with me with heroin. The and very you thing. mean when you
0: first started? Yeah, say, it was oh, like, I was like, I would never, ne- yeah,
1: I would never do heroin. And and it's with you,
0: smoking pot and drinking, but I would I wouldn't do meth. No, yeah, of course not. But now it's your drug of or it was your drug of choice? Yes. Yeah. Um,
2: it's funny how it just changes, but. So after that, I I, uh, got a violation. Um, We got caught stealing at a Walmart. And uh, they let me out to do finals. But then I went back for another six months. I was supposed to go to First Step House, but the list was too long. So they released me from jail before I went. And I just just went out and I, I basically planned my relapse. kind of gave up so I went on on the run for like a year and a half and uh, then I got caught again but I didn't catch new charges this time so I just went back for a year and terminated and I planned my relapse again after that um, and this time I'd been introduced to heroin so I was using both meth and heroin and uh,
0: explain to people who don't understand what planned your relapse means oh i had it because you're it. in jail and you're
2: sober at the time right right, right. and i would I, so i was very manipulative i i got money put on my books and i knew they would release me with cash up to 50 bucks so i made sure i had money on me when i left and i left from jail straight to my friend's house that i knew and got meth and heroin in use that day and i I picked my Sally up three days later from jail because he got released and did the same thing. We planned it all out.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so now I have no no legal issues over my head. This 2017, and I get mixed up with some people, and I start learning how to do burglaries. And um, I just, I was off to the races from 2017 to 2019, I was pretty bad, and this is when I started actually using IV. Um, I wish I would have never used IV because it, I fell in love with using the needle. That was the, the new addiction. Um, and it got bad. I got it, really bad. I was probably, I weigh like 205 right now. I was probably 160. Jeez running around out there. Um, I have a picture I showed one of my fellow people in recovery, and she's all, you survived cancer? It's, right. it's, that's how mm-hmm. bad it looked, right? Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. it was, I finally asked for help in 2019. Um, I was just in and out of jail, like, all year. And it's kind of weird because I did more time on, on a felony DUI case and a possession of meth case. And I have done on all of my most recent cases, which I think are way worse. Um, like, I was in out jail in 2019, 60 days, 60 days, 60 days, going back and forth. Like, I was out for three weeks one time, um, and then right back to jail. Like, and it's, it's sad to say, because I, I know a lot of the workers there by first name basis. I was going to say, the jailers <laughs> got to know you. It's yeah.
0: well, back. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um and so I asked to go to Odyssey House and, uh, I got released to Odyssey House in, when was it, 2020, February, 2020. Just before yeah, the I, pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where you met Rachel. And that's where I met Rachel. Yeah. And, uh, she brought FTR there cause they shot the jail down because yep. of COVID. FTR is yeah. fit to recover. recover. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. I, a lot of people are watching it. We throw out these <clears throat> yeah,
2: the acronyms, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? No. And uh, I started going, and then I I wouldn't hold my peers accountable in Odyssey House. Wouldn't do it. Um, I thought I was in that criminal mentality where I thought it was uh, like I'm snitching on them, or I'm going to get them in trouble mm-hmm. if I if I call their out their behaviors or whatever. So. Um, I ultimately get kicked out for knowledge of because I got two back-to-back, I don't know what borders. I don't know if people know what borders are. but um,
1: And and knowledge of means that you know that somebody is doing something wrong and you don't hold them accountable.
0: Right. And the goal of it is to help them and help the entire therapeutic community yeah. in the house not to get them in trouble specifically. Right, to keep right. your
1: your house and your space safe. And so that's the purpose and the goal of that.
0: Let me let me ask yeah. you, you were working staff back then, right? Yeah. And what did you what was your first impression of him when you saw him at Mill Creek?
1: So, I when I went to Mill Creek, I did it to teach um Bit to recover oh, so, classes. Okay. So, he was he was amazing in the classes. Uh it, it provides, like, an outlet for individuals. So in classes, he showed up, and he gave it his all. So he was he was great in, in classes, but when he left class, he was a different person. Yeah. I didn't know those things.
0: So he wasn't obnoxious or anything with you? Mm-mm. No.
1: No. Okay. No.
2: Or not rebellious? uh
1: uh-uh. No. No,
2: it was a secretive thing we all.
1: Yeah, which sucks. You in know, our, that's what we do. In with our yeah.
2: f- with Three other peers, and we're like, yeah, well, we'll get away with this, right? And that's why that and
1: thing, Secrets Keep You Sick, yeah, that we were talking sure. about in the family group. That's what it does.
2: It does, mm-hmm. for sure.
0: So you didn't, so you had to leave Odyssey, or you left, they, they threw you out.
2: They Yeah, they kicked us out because okay. of. Uh, normally it would be another border for contraband or whatever, but because of COVID, they didn't want to bring COVID into the, houses and we were bringing in contraband. So, okay. Um, that, that got me discharged. We called my PO. Um, he told me to come and see him tomorrow, the next day. And I had some stuff at home. So I went and used and, uh, went saw my PO and he didn't arrest me. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Okay. So I kind of I kind of stopped using for about two weeks, got a job. Um, and then my neighbor called me up and asked for some, and I didn't even think twice. And I was like, sure, I can get it. And, and then I was off to the races for about another seven months and I quit. And that's seven months between Odyssey house. So I was trying to get into Odyssey house outpatient and they wouldn't let me. And so when they finally told me, um, no, you have to do our residential program again. I was like, no, I'm not. Um, the one of the workers there suggested Seventh Street, so I called Seventh Street, got into IOP. Um, but during that seven, like seven months, IOP awesome. is intensive
0: outpatient. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> um, we we all it's have very this. Very educational <laughs> yeah. here. So yeah. yeah.
2: Um. So I I quit. I was using math, but. And then heroin always comes with it because I, I tend to get too high on meth, so I would use heroin to bring me down, and I quit heroin four times in seven months. So I was buying Suboxone to help me. I was doing all the things so I wasn't sick, so I could keep my job. But then I was out committing crimes at night. Um, it's a very unmanageable lifestyle, and I'd, I'd get, it gets tiring. Um, and then it's COVID, and I'm doing intensive outpatient through Seventh Street, so they didn't know how to figure out UAing yet at that yeah. time. So they're not UAing me, um, but I'm showing up to groups sometimes.
0: Um, UAing is a urine test, a, for urine, drugs. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> urine, I feel like a dictionary. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> you're, you're, you're you urinalysis. basically are. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just finally, I told my therapist that I was having problems and they got me in to 7th street and uh
1: so you so you needed the residential did, that structure I
2: needed I needed to go back to residential um yeah because I couldn't get on my own I couldn't get a day clean or even or even 12 hours clean really so I needed I needed help and uh they got me in, but I got COVID right before my intake. I was out Christmas shopping and I didn't feel well, and I got COVID, so they delayed my intake by two weeks because you have to have 10 days. And then mm-hmm. I got in, and um, 7th Street really changed my life. I'd been introduced to AA like when I got my first DUI, but I'd always go to AA like. Because I had to. The judge made me go. I had yeah. to have my paper signed, right. and I was the last right. one there and the first one to leave, right? And uh yeah. didn't talk to anybody. I'm like, I'm different from these people. But <laughs> but I got introduced to AA and uh, got a sponsor. Um, I worked the 12 steps. I haven't gone all through all 12 yet, but I'm working on it. And uh, it's just I do so many different things in, in my life now. I, I changed who I hang out with. Um, I changed where I live. I can't live with my parents. Because I love my parents to death, but I've used them my entire life at their house, so I can't, I can't do it. Um, uh, my kids are huge support. Um, I don't know what I did right. I did something right because my, my daughter's going to college. My son's in high school. Um, he plays high school football for Hillcrest High School. Wow. Um, so cute. It's... Uh, it's been an amazing journey so life is good now oh it's it is amazing it is more than i could ask for um i've caused so much destruction in my life that um i'm just grateful to be here and to be alive really um
1: you also work in treatment
2: uh yeah i work with with others and it's cool to get back i just got my certified peer support specialist
1: all right Um, yes
2: it's uh It's a cool journey. Uh, I do things like Fit to Recover with Rachel on Saturdays. Um, uh, I do sober softball on Friday nights.
0: And all Um, these things are important to to
2: stay clean. uh, Yeah, well, my life was doing drugs and and committing crimes, right? I had to Mm -hmm. fill it with something. And so I'm a very active person. And once the weather warms up, I hike. I... um, yeah, so over softball, I do, I do AA meetings, uh, work with a sponsor, um, fit to recover. Um, we try to, try to make it um, – I try to help people figure out what they like to do and then they fill their time with things like that. The question
0: everybody asks, especially in the family group, is, mm-hmm. okay, you go through – I mean, you were, you were a tough nut to crack. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you, jail, nothing, nothing seemed to sink in. What was it that worked this time that never worked before?
2: Um, I think I just became desperate. It was that gift of desperation. I I wanted something different in my life, and everything else that I tried before didn't work, so I had to try something.
1: And that's so interesting, because I joined that family group, and so we were discussing this, and... And that's what we said. It's just like you become so exhausted that you're ready. But during the times, because they were talking about family members and coming from jail, right, not holding Mm -hmm. others accountable or struggling with that or going through treatment several times or different treatments, and it's the introduction. So, oh, I was introduced a little bit here uh, of the accountability or FTR or here, and if people aren't ready, but they hear it and they listen and they feel it so when they are ready, they know where to go.
0: So it's a cumulative well, thing. You pick up a Absolutely. little piece here and sure. a little piece mm-hmm. there.
1: Yeah. yeah. Huh. And when you get to that point, you know where to go or who to reach out to. Because, I I, I mean, I see Ed every Saturday, and he's mm-hmm. there, and he's supportive of Odyssey. He holds people accountable now. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, like it's just you still hear it, though. So it's planting the seeds for when somebody is ready.
0: Everybody who has loved ones is looking for that magic yes. answer. And there doesn't seem to be one because no. the no. average, what, is seven treatments before you before it really kicks in. So it's not 7th Street or Odyssey or First Step or House of Hope. Right. No. It's building it's, it's, all that stuff.
1: And sometimes it's a little right. bit of all of them. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a, sometimes people aren't a fit with our program. Sometimes they're not a fit in Odyssey. I mm-hmm. work with somebody who's an Odyssey House graduate.
1: Yeah.
2: And he's amazing. Wow. And uh, it's just... It's it's got to be specific to each person. I feel. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: We've got a minute but, left. What do you see in your future? Uh,
2: I want to. I hope. Well, I want to go back and get my sudsy. Actually, That's yes. something I want to work towards you know, to be a substance abuse counselor. Because okay. I really love what I do. Like it's it's cool to see lights come on when people really get it, and it's it's really fulfilling sometimes it's tough but it's really fulfilling
0: and and your kids your close relationship with them now? um i'm
2: building one i'm building it back uh we're going to my cabin here i think next month um, wow. with just me and them it's just something i haven't done sober in a long time
0: and if i would have asked you all this when you were high would it have been negative responses about the way you're looking at life
2: Oh, yeah, i didn't. I just told you this would never happen to me. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, you're a wonderful argument for recovery. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. just, you know, and, and, uh, I wish we could pinpoint a magic formula. We, if we could, we'd, we'd make billions in some kind of treatment center saying, you come here, we guarantee you'll be right. clean for the rest of your life. But right. you can't do
1: that.
2: No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you. Thank you for having
1: me. I know. Thank you, Ed. I'm so proud of you and all that you've accomplished, and I can't wait to see all that you continue. And I think it's really important to um, give a shout out to our friend, Zach, that Mm -hmm. is also, uh, he's a graduate of Odyssey, and he works at Seventh Street, but he's just a powerful man, and he recently um, lost his son. And so giving him some love and support today. So, yeah,
2: for sure. It's,
0: Hopefully, it's, it's yeah. been an uplifting episode yes. of another edition. We thank you for watching Odyssey House Journals.